Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. On March the 12th, 2015, from Coolidge, Arizona, we are studying the book of Revelation in this class, and we um, are looking at verse 13 through 19, uh, as much of that as we can this evening. Uh, In the previous few verses, uh, we saw scenes of victory Uh, after the court, the witnesses... um, Uh, what they had said about the situation in heaven and earth, which is referring to uh, Judea and Jerusalem and the temple, Uh, what they had to say uh, was not very popular. And uh, so when they got done, uh, from last week, you know that bad things happened to them, and they... um, were put out of their misery for three and a half days, and then they were raised by the Lord and went directly into heaven uh, in a cloud, witnessed by those who had seen them dead in the street. And so there is the scene of victory that the court had heard the witnesses. The witnesses' message was true, and God is honoring that witness made by those two witnesses uh, about Israel and about the temple. So the witnesses testify. And then they are safely delivered to heaven. And the message that they had and their reflection on God's judgment and the cause that they had of these two witnesses, it survives. In spite of the opposition that they had at the time, they emerge victorious, and this is the beginning of a tremendous scene of victory in verse 12. Now, let's move on to verse 13. And in that hour, I don't want to be overly redundant, but you know, when when time gives, when God gives a time frame, He means something by it, and that there are limitations to that time frame. There are boundaries to a time frame. Three and a half days, a short period of time. Um, <clears throat> an hour, that's a that's a short span of time. And there are different things that happen in different time frames. It's just like Jesus, while he was here in the days of his flesh for a little while, was as one of us. Now, let's go back to Luke 13. By the way, that's probably not in your notes. I just happened to think about something here. In Luke chapter 13, that God has a process. He has an order. 
and that different things happen in different times. That's one one of the reasons why uh, in Ecclesiastes you have God saying that um, different things happen in different times. There's a there's a time to be patient. There's a time to lose your temper. <clears throat> there's a time to be nice to David, and there's a time to be nice to David. In that case, there is never a time not to be nice to David. <clears throat> All right, Luke chapter 13, and I, I love this. Let's go to verse 31. Just at that time. Oh, there's that word time again. I didn't know that, but there it is. <clears throat> well, look at the previous verse. <laughs> If we keep going back, we won't have to worry about going forward at all tonight. Behold, in verse 30, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. Now, there's a time frame for you. And uh, that's probably relating to what? Well, the Jew and the Gentile situation. Just at that time, some Pharisees approached. Now, Pharisees were pretty good people. Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. That means that they were very strict in their knowledge of the law, and then they felt like the power they had derived from their strictness empowered them to go beyond what was written and impose that part that was beyond the law upon other people, thus the name Pharisee. But they were the ones who were strict uh, interpreters of the law. Their problem came in that they took their viewpoints and the things that they added to the law and made them required of the people in general beyond what the law taught. So it wasn't that they did or didn't know the law. It's what they did beyond the law that got them in trouble. And it was primarily an attitude thing. <clears throat> and But the attitude came from their uh, thinking that they had the ability to impose something beyond what was written. Now, that's Phariseeism. Uh, How far can we go beyond what is written and still be safe? Not far. Well, you'd have to have a couple of, at least two doctor degrees, yeah. Well, I think think the question has uh, been well well enough answered. Um, so they knew what was written they knew what was beyond what was written and they were more interested in enforcing uh, those things that gave them their uniqueness all right just at that time some Pharisees approached uh, saying to him and probably that act of approaching here is was you know was probably meant to be about two thousand years away from this time, right? Yeah, okay, we're all in agreement there. Uh, just at that time, some Pharisees approached, saying to him, 
because now they're face-to-face, all happening here at the same time. Go away, leave here, for Herod wants to kill you. Now, see, they were doing Jesus a favor. Well, (laughs) they were trying to... They were trying to make Jesus think that they were doing him a favor. Did he fall for it? He said to them, you go and you tell that fox. Now the literalists have a problem here. Behold, I cast out demons. Now follow carefully. I cast out demons. You go and you tell that fox. You quote me now, get it straight. I cast out demons and I perform cures today and tomorrow. But then what? So what was Jesus' time for casting out demons and performing cures? In that verse. You you think it was Friday in there. Wednesday. Wednesday and Friday. All right. Well, Wednesday and Thursday. Okay. So Wednesday and Thursday. Today, uh, tomorrow, and the next day, which in this case would be Thursday and Friday. Okay. I must, but but you see, I'm going to, so was the time that he was going to be curing and casting out demons limited? According to this, it's limited to his expression here of what? Today and tomorrow. And he didn't probably mean just today and tomorrow, but today and the next day and the next and maybe the next. But the third day, I reach my goal. So... What then happens to the curing, the healing, and the casting out of demons? Stops. So if you believed that we are to be like Jesus in every regard, and therefore as he healed, we ought to heal, and as he casted out demons, we ought to cast out demons, And by the way, that's the big church movement today. To be like Jesus means to do that. And they have their little seances to enable them to learn how to do that. So what happens? What are they saying? They're saying that Jesus hasn't reached his goal and that they surely haven't if they're practicing what he says he practiced prior to his reaching of his goal. You see that? They're denying that Jesus ever accomplished his mission by the very fact that they're continuing in their healing and they're casting out of demons. My point is that God has time frames. There are certain certain things that happen in certain times, whatever it is. And here in that hour... In this short period of time, Revelation chapter 11, verse 13, there was a great earthquake. And that represents a shaking 
uh, within the government of Israel because a tenth of the city, what city did we just read about last week? Yeah, the city where the Lord was crucified. Oh, 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 and, and back in, uh, oh, yeah, I'm back in Luke. Oh, yeah, okay, good. <clears throat> so I must journey on today and tomorrow and the next day. See the process of time? Very, the Bible is very conscious of time. Things happen on certain days. Things come to an end in a certain time. And no matter where we are, we can't extend the things that happen in one period of time to another period of time. It doesn't work that way. And oh, by the way, there was nothing. I mean, this is what I get from it. I'm not saying that this is accurate. There's nothing anyone could do about it. Not a thing. And he even called him a fox. Yep. So, which was... I don't think that was a compliment. Well, it may have been the nicest thing that Harold ever, uh, Herod had ever said, had said to him. <laughs> you know, I don't know that, but yeah. <clears throat> you go tell that fox that there is a process. God's con- conscious of this, con- uh, uh, of this uh, process. It's not going to vary no matter what you think. There are things that are going on now and things that are not going on now. But things change, so we're in a we're in a broadcast. We we can't alter right now. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so then, uh, <clears throat> so there there's a great earthquake, and that earthquake uh, we're suggesting is uh, is a shaking within the government of Israel, and a tenth of what city falls? Jerusalem. That's obvious in the previous few verses, as well as a continuation of our passage there in Luke. Uh, and and 7,000 people were killed as a result of that uh, political upheaval. And then the rest of them, how did they respond? In verse 13. They were terrified. They were terrified. They were put in fear. And as a consequence to that, what did they do? They gave glory or recognition that God was in this. They were recognizing that God was in what was happening. It brought fear to them, but they gave glory or recognition to the God of heaven. Only by context. And because the word rest is there, meaning the balance, I think it would be positive. You could argue that point, though. But it says, and the rest or the balance, those who were not killed, learned from those who were, and they were terrified, and at least some of them gave recognition to the God of heaven. That's how I'm reading it. Anybody want to say something differently, you're welcome to. All right, let's go on to verse 14. I wasn't meaning to be rude to her. 
think he was just stopping in to say hello. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know if you need him again. Um, I didn't. Um, I, uh, you, uh, uh, these people were terrified and gave, and, uh, gave glory uh, uh, because of the shaking in the government? I, I would guess there were 7,000 people were getting killed. It's quite a number. Well, okay. How many people live in Coolidge? Yeah, yeah. okay. Well, Just wiping out Coolidge. Yeah, that was uh, so you the know, great upheaval. And, and, if yeah. we went out tonight and everybody in Coolidge was dead, we'd wonder, we would wonder why we weren't. Probably drive pretty fast. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Yeah, I might even get old Red cranked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I don't have Tanya here to push. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> now look at, and 14 is self-explanatory. And the second woe is past. We're bringing a, we're bringing the, you know, the conclusion is down on that one. And uh, the, the third woe is coming quickly. So let's move right on to verse 15. <clears throat> not that we won't have anything additionally to say to that, but not right now. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven. So when the seventh angel sounded, how did he, through what process did he use in the sounding? Remember what he was using? Trumpet. Trumpet. So he... The seventh angel sounded his trumpet. Actually, the word sounding there is, is from the word trumpeting. <clears throat> and there were loud voices in heaven. Now, what's the difference between what is said here and what has been said previously? You see, be, what's that? Voices. Voices. Yeah, that's right, Neil. Before it had been an angel or a voice, but now it was all of the voices together in one great voice to announce the end of all the events of the vision. And there were loud voices in heaven. Notice the announcement. Notice the announcement. The kingdom of the world, and I would like to have a Greek up on that in a minute. <clears throat> the kingdom of the world has become of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. All of these voices together, they join together to magnify God he had utterly discomfited or discomfited his enemies, rendered his, enemy, his friends glorious, and by destroying the Jewish state and sending the gospel of Christ throughout the Gentile world, he will reign forever and ever. Now, let's look just a couple of things here. <clears throat> in this verse in the in, in the uh, Greek. <clears throat> I know that this is awkward to you folks who are listening in who don't have uh, the program with you, 
uh, try I try not to go overboard on this uh, right there is far enough uh, and there were uh, great voices in the heaven <clears throat> saying <clears throat> the kingdoms are become and you notice um, that they have made kingdoms plural but it's singular now why why would they feel ne- uh, ne- why 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 would they feel it necessary to do that <laughs> the kingdom out of this world out of the world now and belonging to the Lord our Lord and the Christ and he shall reign into the age and the age, the age, and the age. You see that into the age, into the age, and then they've added because it's not meant to be temporary or limited, so they've added I own to I own to make it forever and ever. Age beyond ages. Okay, let's go back a little bit. There was one thing that I missed here. <clears throat> Kingdom is singular. Cosmos is it, this world. So the kingdoms, the 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 one kingdom of this world yeah. has be, and you say are become. See, that's what I want you to see. See, are become. How could it be our is become is singular or has become it's in the singular gender huh no there should, the the r should not be there, so you know i didn't um I don't need to make a big point of that. But just just to be cognizant that there is a difference here. So he's talking about then the kingdom belonging to the world. You take the S off. You take the R out of become. Has become the kingdom of our Lord. Go back up one more line. Okay, that's far enough. <clears throat> so, what difference does it make? Be understood as singular. Has to be understood in the singular. And uh, <clears throat> it's not a bunch of countries. It's a singular people. It's the whole 
picture all grouped into one. The kingdom of the cosmos What's a good definition of the cosmos again? Everything that is temporary. That's a good one. Everything that is temporary comes under that word, that word, uh, world, cosmos. Everything that is temporary. So everything that is temporary combined totally has become the Lord's, the Christ. Everything has become his, has become his and he will reign whenever he gets a chance. In that moment. Isn't yeah. this the kingdom that Daniel saw cut out of the mountain without hands that is eternal and will not be left to another and all the different... This is the I believe, eternal kingdom. I, I believe that in Daniel 7, um, uh, <clears throat> Here's, here's what I see. The court, verse 26 of Daniel chapter 7, the court. Now we've been studying the court in the previous chapter. And who showed up at the court? The two witnesses. The court will, the court will sit and his dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever, then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatest of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom, his kingdom, that is the kingdom of the highest one, will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions will serve and obey him. And here, they're all brought into singular, whereas in Daniel, he was talking about them collectively, but individually because they were going to be progressive. You know, the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, and then the Roman Empire, there's going to be those that series. But with the end of the Roman Empire, where we're taking place right now, in our book of Revelation, when that's ended, and, the, uh, and Judaism has ended, and the temple has been destroyed, then at that point, in verse 28, the revelation ended. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts were greatly alarming me, and my face grew pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Well, now that matter is being brought to our attention again, and, and, and then the voices of heaven are collectively saying, 
the kingdom of the world, everything that is everything that is that is transitory, everything that is um, temporary, politically, spiritual. It included Judaism. It included civil governments. Everything that is temporary has been turned over to something that is not temporary. And that's the contrast we need to see here. That's a message in itself. And we choose whether we're going to be a part of that which is forever or whether we want to resist it and remain a part of that which has already been judged. Is that why you wrote at the bottom of the notes here the Gentiles do not have a fading covenant? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because see, the Jews, when Moses, when Moses was on the mountain, he had a veil. You know why the veil was there? We do now. We, yeah. Because he was losing his, not, not to hide it, but to hide, hide the fact that he was losing his glow. That's right. The glory of the law was already beginning to fade. You got it, Nolan. He had the veil so that the children of Israel would not see that glory fading away. So we have a gender, we have a we have a covenant. From this point on, we can be a part of a covenant that does not fade. It never loses its luster, never loses its shine. You know, your paint job on your truck may. Never loses its king. Never loses its king. Now that ought to get some that ought to get some spine tingling. <clears throat> I think the announcement that comes out of all of these voices collectively speaking together in unison, it was loud. They were all speaking at one time. And they were all saying the same thing. The kingdom of the world. Everything that's in the world that is what? Temporary. Has become or now belongs to or is now under that of the Lord, his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. So what is going on today? What's going on today? Where is he reigning? Let's go over to that. I'm not going to answer that question immediately here, but let's go over to First Peter. Uh, <clears throat> this is another one of those passages that gets overlooked sometimes. I think <clears throat> First Peter uh, chapter one. <clears throat> it's not on the notes. I don't think. Sorry about that. 
<clears throat> Look at the summary here in 1 Peter 1, verses 10 through 12. 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12. And i got to go back to verse 8. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, full of recognition. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls, As to this salvation, the whom? The prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries. So who's the first group? In verse 10, as to this salvation, the prophets. That's why, folks, we need to spend more time understanding the prophets and their message. <clears throat> and, and they did what? They prophesied of the grace, but in do, to do so they did what? Careful searching and inquiries. That's why even Jesus, when he was tempted, he said, well, I have a voice. Remember the temptations in Matthew 4, I think? He said, I have a voice, Satan. Remember that? He was getting those little voices. You don't remember that? What did he say? He said, it is written. That was his defense against the devil. And you want to use your little voice? Got the point? Yeah, that's that's one of the the best ones that we've met, that we've found. Well, and 1 John says, these things are written that you may have hope, that you may know. They say, well, that's certainty. No. What do you have to believe in in order to know? You have to believe what is written, and that keeps you in the situation of faith. But if your confidence is in what is written, then you do know, but it's the knowledge of faith, not of certainty. Verse, But I'm not done here yet. Verse 11, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves in doing all of these, all of this research in their seeking to know what person or time, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but whom? You all. You. 
in these things which now have been announced to you through those. Now, who's the through those? The apostles. The apostles. Through those who preached the gospel to you through a Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels long to look at. So you have the prophets and you have the apostles. Right? And who constitutes the foundation of the church? Ephesians 4. The apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. And Jesus Christ, the, the chief cornerstone. You have it all right here. This is a summary of the Bible. First Peter 1. And the definition of the Holy Spirit. And the definition of the Holy Spirit, which I read into it. It's right there. But it's right there. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's all right there. Therefore, he says in verse 13, prepare your minds for action. Who has to do the preparing? The individual. And you don't just prepare it to know, but you prepare it to act. Prepare your mind for action. Who is Peter talking to here? I, I don't. I'm not. Um, he had a Jewish audience. He was speaking to a Jew, Jewish audience, to those who were scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia. Um, For their for them and their sake. Right, yeah. <clears throat> to know who his, uh, where his letter was going or where his words were directed. His yeah. words were directed particularly to those uh, Jewish aliens out of the country. Right. Now uh, yep. Yeah. So, um, but there you have a summary. I think that's the summary of the whole Bible. There's another sermon lesson. Just ten. You know, uh, uh, 7 through 12 is, uh, you know, what, 10, 15 hours of lessons. Um, And then the conclusion in verse 13, Therefore, uh, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit, although that's not there. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what you'd think, but that isn't what it says. Even in the even in the translation, they got it pretty close. <clears throat> they did. That's right. So completely on the grace. That's a noun. Mm-hmm. See. Okay. So where are we now? Then we we are a part of this program today in what way? And we're going to have to close. Let's go back to, keep that in mind, let's go back to Hebrews 12. I'm not going to get through these notes tonight. Um, Hebrews uh, chapter 12. I can't tell it's a certain You can't? Okay, well, we're we're almost down to mid-page. I'll Hebrews 12 on here. No, Hebrews 12 isn't in there either. That's that's the problem. See, that's that's my that's always my fault. 
Um, let's um, <clears throat> Hebrews 12 now. In First Peter 1, we got a summary of the Bible. Now here in Hebrews 12, we get a summary of what's happening in the book of Revelation. Verse 25. Well, you know, I, I really need to go back to verse 18. For you have not come to a mountain that can be touched to, and to a blazing fire and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind, and to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word be spoken to them. You got that? For they could not bear the command. Even if a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. But you, you, verse 22, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels. And we don't believe it because we don't understand it. We're all wrapped up in everything that doesn't matter, isn't worth the hill of beans. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. We don't buy that either. And to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See to it, verse 25, that you do not refuse him who is speaking for if those who did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, much less will we escape, who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Verse 27, or you can leave now. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which cannot be shaken. Everything that is temporary. It denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things the things that are temporary things, see? So that those things which cannot be shaken may what? Amen. And folks, that's the summary of the book of Revelation. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, the things that have a temporary nature, political, geographic, astronomical, whatever it is. And that would include the, the, the Jewish heaven. It would include the Jewish heaven and the Jewish earth. Absolutely. I was going to get back to that because I've got that marked here in verse 26. Not only the earth, but also the heaven. 
And I think here he's speaking prophetically of, of uh, the Jewish earth and the Jewish heaven. But he, he identifies it in verse 27 that everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken so that those things which cannot be shaken will be seen remaining. That's what's going on in Revelation. You see it? Yeah, in verse 28, what's the tense there in that verse? We, we receive. Or we, oh, uh, good, okay, good point. Let's look at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking up the word in the Greek. Uh, what uh, It says here that the things which... Uh, verse 28. Verse 28, therefore, since we receive a kingdom, uh, I suspect that it, um, well, let's just wait. Perfect tense, maybe. We are, we, we are receiving uh, present tense, uh, which means that we are in the process of. Exactly. Let's read verse 28. I don't, we didn't read that, did we? Uh, Therefore, since we receive or are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a tulip. My Bible says consuming fire. That's what the book of Revelation is talking about. That's the summary of the whole book. All happening within the time frame so that all of this takes place and is complete and the kingdom that is realized here in verse 15 of chapter 11 of the book of Revelation has in fact been fulfilled completed the kingdom which cannot be shaken now has survived all of the other kingdoms all the kingdom of the world all the kingdom of what is temporary in the animal plant political spiritual and particularly of Judah and Jerusalem but if it's all sometime in the future it's hard for us to have appreciation for it. And oh. that's how we act. Basically. Neil, you've got it. You, that's right on. If this is way out there in somebody's future, and in our future yet, then what's filling the gap? We are, we're temporary. We're, the, we're a part of the temporary then, aren't we? I guess we'd have to be. So verse 15, is. Uh, we want to make sure we understand that. This is the announcement that comes out of heaven. The kingdom of the world, totally incomplete, has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. Age after age. So be it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our precious time together. May we see the hope that we have, that it is sure and steadfast. 
May each one of us be sure that we are a part of that which is permanent and not giving our allegiance to that which is temporary or a part of the world, which has been overcome. Father, may we have a fruitful week in our personal lives, in our growth, in our appreciation for the things that you've done. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.